You're listening to Sunday on the Commons, a podcast featuring sermons from the United Congregational Church in Little Compton, Rhode Island. We are a community of Christians who have been gathering since 1704 to experience God's grace and love, discover new meaning in ancient scripture, hold each other in prayer, and strive to bring our faith to bear on the way we live each day. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.ucclittlecompton.org. And we invite you to join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. on the Commons in Little Compton for our dynamic and relevant worship for all ages. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are always welcome here. After a couple of weeks away, Reverend Rebecca is back, sharing with us some reflections on the stars, her time away in Arizona, and the season of Epiphany. Let's listen. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 26 and 28 through 31. Look up to the sky and consider who created all this. The one who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each by them by name. Because of God's great strength and mighty power, not one is missing. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young ones stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will will walk and not be faint. And here ends the first reading. second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And without him, nothing came into being. What has come into being in him is life, and the life is the light of all people, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. The true light, which enlightens everyone, 
was coming into the world. But the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who welcomed him, who believed in him, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood and flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Here ends the reading. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your eyes, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My friends, it is so good to be back with you. I am so grateful for the time that I was away, and I want to thank you for giving it to me. I traveled, for those of you who don't know, I traveled to Arizona for my fourth year in my continuing education leadership program, and I'm especially grateful to Bev and to Peter and Mary and all the deacons for holding down the fort while I was away. One of the bonus gifts of this program, beyond these wonderful colleagues that I've met and the instructors and the resources I've gleaned, is that it's in Arizona. <laughs> it's about an hour north of Phoenix, surrounded by mountains. And this year was my last year of on-site coursework. The next six years of the program, it's a 10-year program, are personal study. So this was my last year going to this special place that's become very special in Arizona. And so I decided I really needed to savor the landscape because I didn't know when I was going to see it again. So we went a day early so we could go to Sedona. Has anyone ever been to Sedona? Go immediately if you haven't. We came over the rise as we went down into the city and the light just hit us. The sun shining on the sandstone rock formations, making them appear golden red. These towering sand sculptures made of layers and layers of sediment, including one called the Madonna and Child that looks exactly like you imagine Mary cradling the baby Jesus. And you can see why Sedona has become a spiritual epicenter, not just for Christianity, but for all sorts. You can get images of your aura. I mean, all sorts of stuff in Sedona. Sedona is a spiritual epicenter. And you can see why. It's just so beautiful. And there is a holy site called uh, the Chapel of the Holy Cross, and it is this beautiful cross hewn into the red rocks. Later in the week, I got up early. Well, it was still dark, and I climbed the mountain with my friends that we had been looking at for four years, the biggest mountain that was in view of our, our conference room where we were doing all our coursework. The stars were still shining. It was so early. And it was a mile and a half, which is not a long way, but it was almost straight up. I did not think I was going to make it. And then when I got to the top, I was breathing heavily, and the dawn burst forth over the horizon and lit up the darkness with light and turned the whole desert that golden, buttery light color. You know what I'm talking about? And it was just exquisite. And then later that week, I'm double-sided pages. I totally threw myself off, sorry. <laughs> On our final evening, 
We went out under the night sky, and we actually worshipped out in the desert under the stars. And that's when it happened. I caught this glimpse of the shining presence of God. I can't explain it exactly, and I'm not someone, words don't usually fail me, but I'm, I'm telling you they failed me, and I'm going to try, okay? Suddenly, the mystery and beauty of creation and creator cracked open for me just a little bit, for an instant. Because there we were in the desert looking up at these points of light, seemingly tiny, though we knew, of course, that each shining dot is an enormous, brilliant light like our own sun star. And I could see in the dark outlines of mountains and cacti cutting up into the sky. So much darkness and yet the light of the moon reflecting the light of the sun so that I could see the faces of the people that I had grown to love shining at me. Gathered in this circle. And something about the light just just struck me. How, how starlight can time travel to us. And how the sun can beam upon the moon and transform it from a cold, dusty rock into a lamp in our sky, bathed in this magical light. And then I remembered at that same moment the light of the dawn that had transformed the rocks and the dust of the desert to gold, and the afternoon light of Sedona that had lit up the sand sculptures in brilliant shades of red. And as I stood here, these waves of images all kind of kaleidoscoped into each other, the mystery and beauty of light reflecting against dust and dust refracting light. And a friend of mine began to read the scripture that you heard Harry read so beautifully from Isaiah. Look up and consider the sky. Who created all this? He who brings out the starry host one by one, who calls forth each one by name. Consider. And then, I'm a real big word nerd, as you know, and I learned a new thing about a word, which is my favorite thing ever, which is this. The preacher told me, consider that word that we use to mean reflect or meditate. Consider literally means con with, like chili con carne, con with. You with me? With the stars, Sidaris with the stars. Consider means to think with the stars, to think with the celestial bodies. Consider. Consider. Regard together with the heavens. What a beautiful thought that with that word consider we are invited to think with the stars, to be stardust reflecting on stardust, to be universe pondering universe, life regarding life across time and space and the vastness of the cosmos. And yet somehow at the same time there is this intimacy, this sense of shared belonging because God has called each star by name and God has called each one of us by name. And as I listened and I gazed at the sky, suddenly that sense of an inbreaking of God grew with each image and word, this sense that we all belong to one another and to God. Humans, stars, and all of creation woven together, spirit and matter, reflecting the light of our creator. Because, my friends, when we begin to consider, to dream 
with the stars, we discover something about ourselves, don't we? Consider, for example, one of the most romantic discoveries of science, in my opinion, that we are made from the remnants of stars. We are made of stardust. Professor Lawrence Krauss, a physicist and cosmologist, writes this, the amazing thing is that every atom in your body came from a star that exploded. And the atoms in your left hand probably came from a different star than your right hand. It really is the most poetic thing I know about physics. You are all stardust. You couldn't be here if stars hadn't exploded because the elements, the carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, iron, all the things that matter for evolution weren't created at the beginning of time. They were created in the nuclear furnaces of stars. And the only way they could get into your body is if those stars were kind enough to explode. Now, Professor Krauss is a committed atheist, so he doesn't see anything of the creator in this. But when I hear this, I hear theology that our life depends on the death of stars. It's not merely poetic to me. It is a tiny hint of the personality of our God. Now, I get pretty frustrated when people divide this stark line between science and religion. In fact, there's this rich history of deeply faithful Christians furthering the exploration of science in general and the universe in particular. Did you know, for example, that there is an observatory at the Vatican? Yeah, really famous observatory. And I heard it's, it's, it's staffed entirely by Jesuit monks. Yep. Um, they, they also have degrees in science, don't worry. Um, I heard an interview with the directors of the Vatican Observatory, and one of them said this, As I see the pattern of creation unfolding over and over, complexity from the simplest rules beauty from the surprising interplay of basic forces, I begin to get a closer appreciation of the personality of our creator, a creator who loves beauty. And, for example, my knowledge of the life and death of stars leads me also to know that there is a unity in the whole universe with respect to life and death. If stars were not being born and dying, we would not be here. And the Jesuit cosmologist captured that sense that I felt out there under the night sky as I considered the cosmos, the sense that God was winking at me, giving me a tiny glimpse of the beauty and movement and interconnectivity of God's creation. And more than that, as the Jesuit scientist pointed out, it gave me some small sense of the personality of God the one who births stars into light, calls them into being, names them. And that when the stars die, our God tenderly gathers the dust, the ashes, the remnants into new life somehow. Ashes to ashes, stardust to stardust. This God of ours lovingly forms the earth and all the celestial bodies from the remnants of stars and illumines the whole creation light and life. There is something in all of it that is at the same time playful and tender, vast and intimate, powerful yet intricate, poetry and science. And this God of ours has not just given us light and life, 
but the gift of reflection, another one of those light words. We reflect, we consider, we are able to meditate with and about the stars to dream and to imagine and to believe and to love. And all of that happens in these fragile bodies of ours, all made of dust. One of my favorite poets who I've definitely quoted to you before, Jan Richardson, writes a poem called Blessing the Dust. She says, All of those days that you felt like dust, like dirt, as if all you had to do was turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to four corners, swept away by the smallest breath as insubstantial. Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? This is the moment we ask for a blessing, a blessing that lives within ancient ashes and makes its home inside the soil of the sacred earth. So let us be marked not for sorrow, but for claiming what God can do within the dust, within the dirt, within the stuff of which the world is made, and the stars that blaze in our bones. My friends, consider what the Holy One can do with dust, with atoms, with elements. Consider that every year, 400, nope, 40,000 tons, I don't even know how much that is, it's a lot, 40,000 tons of stardust fall to our earth, containing all the necessary elements so that life on this planet can continue to evolve and unfold. Consider the stars that give us all the raw materials for life. When I consider what God can do with dust, what God does do with the interplay of dust and light and life, then it does not seem so strange to me that our God would bring his divine light into our world in the lowly body of a human child in the fragile, dusty frame of the man named Jesus. That heaven should meet earth, that spirit should intermingle with matter, that God's word might take on flesh and be the light that darkness cannot overcome, the life that death can never extinguish. My friends, consider the ancient words of our scripture from the Gospel of John, written long before the scientific discovery that we are made of stardust, but nonetheless grasping at words to tell the story of our God appearing, shining, bringing forth light in the darkness, speaking the word of life into being, God in flesh dwelling here among us. My friends, we are made of stardust, and God has made us to shine. Has it ever been more important for us to consider what our God can do with dust and what our God can do with us? Has it ever been more important than in this time of ours when there is so much Darkness, so much darkness for us 
to shine with the light our God has given us to bear. In a moment, during our prayer time, I'm going to ask you to take a moment to pause and consider. Think with the stars. I'm going to have our ushers come around wherever they are. Now you can go get the baskets. They have agreed to distribute the stars to you, and we're going to offer you a gift, a star. If you haven't been here before in Epiphany, this has become kind of a tradition that we give you a star with a word written on it. These are the star gifts of Epiphany. Remember, I told the kids that means shine upon or shine forth, Epiphany. And this time in the Christian calendar right after Christmas is the season when God shines forth for us in the person of Jesus, the light of the world. Just as the stars shone upon me in the desert and gave me a fraction of a glimpse of what God is working in the world through dust and light and love. So receive a gift, receive a star, pick one, don't look, don't look at the words, you're not supposed to peek, okay? Receive the gift of a star, reach out and choose one from the basket, look at your word. Once everyone has a star, we will take a moment to reflect on the word we've received and see how it shines, how it shimmers for us. And I'll ask you to keep the word with you. Put it somewhere that you can see it. Put it up for 2020 and listen to what God might be speaking into your life through this one simple word. Receive it as an opportunity, an invitation, a word for your journey. When you get your word, Look at it and simply begin by just asking what it means. What does this word mean? If you don't know what it means, you can ask Alex. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you don't know what it means, I encourage you to look it up, whether you know what it means or not. I love looking up words and finding out the words they came from, because sometimes that brings like a whole new level, like consider, right? A whole new level of meaning. So look at your word and ask, what does this mean? What is its essence? Oh, wait, sorry, I thought that we were done. We have a whole other row. I want everyone to get their stars before I continue. I want to share that last year, when I was pregnant, I got the word nourishment. I've been doing a lot of nourishing this year. And I've needed a lot of nourishment this year, so it was a good word for 2019. All right, I think we've got, everyone has a star? Everyone received their star gift? Great. Think about your word's essence. Think about what it means and what it means in your context. And if it doesn't mean anything to you right now, don't worry about it. I promise it will come to you. Think about how you feel when you read the word. Does it, do you know exactly what it means? Maybe you do. Are you affirmed? Are you challenged? Are you curious? Are you confused? Are you comforted? How does this word make you feel? Just listen to that emotional response, that instinct, that gut feeling when you get your star. 
And then when you post the word, put it somewhere where you can see it almost every day, on the refrigerator, your desk, whatever, wherever you're going to see it. And think about it from time to time. Consider, consider what this word might be speaking to you. See how it kind of enters your imagination and how it might take on fuller life, bring you some fuller meaning throughout the year. And I pray that at the very least, it will remind you to look at the stars, to think with them, to dream with them, to listen with them for how God is shining forth in you and through you and for you. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you could visit our website, www.ucclittlecompton.org. And if you'd like to show some appreciation for what you've heard today, we invite you to please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our ministry by clicking the donate link in the show notes. The tradition in our church is to end every service with this simple prayer. God be with you till we meet again. By God's counsels, God uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Go in peace.